Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network, and we've got tremendous three hours for you. As I'm not Scott Seidenberg, I'm Greg Peterson. You saw Scott on the nightcap along with Femi Obabefe. Those guys doing an absolutely terrific job this week as. We've been seeing our good friends Sean King along with Tim Murray doing some follow the money. So you wind up getting a little bit of mixing and matching. That's how I wind up getting here and very glad to be with you guys because we've got a great college basketball card that is going to be coming up on Wednesday. I'm going to be breaking down those games all throughout the night. So I'm going to try to get you guys as much money as humanly possible on what is going to be a terrific Wednesday. And we're going to have a pair of great guests coming up. Sean Green, he does absolutely terrific work along with Pam Maldonado over there at Yahoo Sports. They're going to be joining me throughout the night, so you're able to have some different insights there. We're going to be talking a little bit about what we're seeing this offseason with regards to the NFL, where you might be able to make some money with regards to things like the NFL draft. Is there maybe a little bit of something that's worth placing a couple bucks on when it comes to futures? And when it comes to futures, I'm also going to be talking a little bit about the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference in the NBA. I wound up hitting on the Western Conference yesterday. We're going to hit a little bit more on the Eastern Conference tonight. So we're going to give both of those conferences a little bit of love. And like I mentioned, lots of college basketball tonight. Going to take a look at the futures board when it comes to college basketball as well. I personally am not necessarily one for taking necessarily too much of a look at the futures board personally, but when it comes to being able to narrow it down, being able to take a look at what you're going to be able to bet on once we wind up getting into the NCAA tournament. I do think that it is a very good exercise. So we're going to be going through that. Got a lot that's going down, but in order to take a look at everything that we're going to be coming up, that's going to be coming up in the future of college basketball. How about if we take a little bit of a look back, take a look at some of the trends that we've got and be able to turn it forward. Something that we have really been seeing a lot of recently has been just home underdogs not being able to come through. This is absolutely insane. Home teams in terms of college basketball on Tuesday, they wound up going 14-11-2 against the spread. So, wound up covering 56%. This sounds relatively rock solid. How about this? Home favorites in college basketball. 11-3-2 against the spread. And home underdogs went 3-8 and eight against the spread. It has been cataclysmically bad for home underdogs recently if you've been taking them. And I tell you right now, I'm someone that... I like to take quite a few home underdogs personally. They have went 56, 76, and 6 against the spread in the last seven days. That is a 52, or that's a 
50% clip and really been startling. Now, I do feel like there has been a little bit of separation between some of the haves and the have-nots. And you take a look at some of the home underdogs that you want to have to pick from. Well, some of those are not great for the ones that we wound up having on Tuesday. Like, for instance, Missouri. Missouri is a bad basketball team. They're not a team that you want to be banking on too much. They want to getting destroyed by Tennessee, 82-61. Not necessarily the world's biggest shocker there. You've got other teams like Florida. I want to talk about this a little bit earlier on betting across America today. If there's one team when you wind up having a lot of these juicy spots when it comes to a team that's a very slight favorite going up against a ranked team as an unranked team slash what we wind up seeing here. Ranked team in Arkansas, unranked team in Florida. They're a very slight underdog. Typically, these are very juicy spots for that home team, except when that team is Florida. I have no idea how. I have no idea why. But Florida, just every single time they find themselves in this sort of spot, they make like your buddy at the bar. They do not close. They did not wind up closing on this one again. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. I think that there's just a couple guys in college basketball that you can't wind up trusting in. And I mean, Mike White isn't the world's worst coach, but it seems like every single time he finds himself in one of these spots in which it's a relatively tight line, his team is at home. They just never seem to be able to come through. I have no idea how. I have no idea why. They just don't get the job done, and they did not wind up doing so once again on Tuesday. So that's something that you always want to be taking a look at. You wind up having a home underdog in Vanderbilt not be able to come through straight up on the money or on the spread. They were able to come through on the money line. They were not 74 to 72. And if you want a team that's been really bad in college basketball, being able to cover in conference, how about Alabama? I mean, it has been startling to take a look at this team because they wound up getting off to that relatively nice start out of conference. They wound up being able to get a very high quality win against Gonzaga. And you thought, oh, this is going to be the Alabama that we wound up seeing for past years. And that has not necessarily been the case for Alabama. If you take a look at them overall for the season, they've been 9-18 and 18 against the spread. That's one of the worst marks in all of college basketball. How about if we wind up taking it a little bit further, though? In conference games, and in conference games only, Alabama has went against the spread this year, and I'm not even kidding here, 2-12 against the spread. There is one other team right now that has a 2-12 against the spread record in their own conference. That'd be Eastern Kentucky. Now, I have no idea what's happened with Eastern Kentucky, a team that they generate turnovers. They've got seven guys that average at least nine points per game. And like literally everyone on the roster shoots anywhere between 32 and 36% from three-point range. But these guys have just not been able to come through in Atlantic some play. But certainly Alabama has been unable to get the job done. Another team that we're going to be seeing on the Wednesday card, West Virginia. They're going to be entering in with a 3-11 and 11 against the spread record in terms of conference play in Xavier. They haven't necessarily been good against the spread in conference as well. That Xavier-Providence game is one that I think is going to be very fascinating to break down. How about if we take a look at the team that has the best against the spread mark in conference play this year? That'd be Texas Tech. They're now 13-2 and two against the spread in Big 12 play. The Big 12 is one that I consider 1-10. through 10. So top to bottom, I consider it to be the best conference at all of college basketball now. When you take a look at a conference like the SEC, I I would argue that their 1 through 10 is better, but when you wind up going like 1 through 14, so every single team in the conference, the Big 12 has a little bit more credence because you don't have teams like, oh, I don't know, Missouri, who I want to mention a little bit earlier, our good friends Georgia, who 
boy, to give up 91 points like they did against Texas A&M, that is absolutely terrible. And that shows you where this Georgia program is at right now. Tom Crean, congratulations to him for riding the coattails of Dwayne Wade for 20 years to continue to somehow, some way have employment because I mean, it is absolutely admirable to be able to drag that thing out as long as it is, as it has. He's probably going to be getting canned from Georgia and somehow, someway, I'll probably use like Dwayne Wade as a reference to try to get like the UW Milwaukee job or something like that, knowing him. But I mean, man, has been really bad. But getting back to what we wound up seeing at Texas Tech, just an absolutely dominant team in the second half in their game against Oklahoma. And when it comes to Texas Tech, it's not that they're necessarily doing anything flashy. Now, I do think that Texas Tech does, as a result of the lack of offense, have a little bit of a glass ceiling when it comes to the NCAA tournament because you don't necessarily have that one guy that is able to necessarily put the team on his back, though I will argue if you wind up having Terrence Shannon fully healthy when it comes to the NCAA tournament, he's been working his way through some back issues. That could be a little bit of a difference maker, but when it comes to Texas Tech, what they wound up doing on Tuesday is they just wound up pretty much putting a chokehold on Oklahoma. Oklahoma had 21 turnovers and 17 made field goals. When you wind up having fewer made field goals than turnovers, you know that it's not going well for your team. This is a Texas Tech team that they're just able to win in a wide variety of ways. They wind up having a whole is greater than some of its parts approach with regards to rebounding as well, as you wind up having six different guys give you between six and four rebounds in this one. So that was very solid to be able to see. But we've really got to address the biggest thing that we wound up seeing in college basketball. That's the fact that referees might wind up stealing a Big East title away from Villanova. This was really bad if you wind up having Villanova on the money line. They wind up losing to UConn by a count of 71 to 69. Now, in all fairness, we have to address that Danny Hurley probably got tossed on a pretty soft technical in the first half in that game as well. So, I mean, it was relatively both ways, but if you wind up watching the final 30 or so seconds of this game between Villanova and UConn, you had a block charge call that was badly blown, and you wound up having a jump ball with, well, Colin Gillespie having his head in a little bit of a chokehold rather than the ball being tied up. So that was interesting to say the least, but for Villanova, it's a team that I actually do think has a lot of potential to be able to make a run in March because when it comes to March, what typically wins out is veteran leaders with regards to the backcourt. Now, Colin Gillespie did not wind up having himself the best of nights in this one. Should have probably been four turnovers, but he was credited with five turnovers. And for Villanova, they just weren't able to get off as many shots as UConn because they were turning the ball over all over the place. UConn, they wound up committing just eight turnovers for this Villanova team. He did wind up having 14. And for UConn, I think it's going to be really important for them is being able to do a good job on the glass. You did have Adama Sinoko really have a big game for this team. 20 points, six boards. He was able to chip in their three assists and two blocks. But when it comes to this UConn team, they are a team that they've been a little bit shaky recently throughout the season. But I would argue that this was one of the better performances that we've seen out of them all season long. And a big reason why I do think that Villanova is going to be just fine despite this loss is for one, in my opinion, they probably should have won the game. And for two, they are also number one in all of college basketball because free throw shooting percentage. Entering the night, they were 82.8%. They went 15 of 19 at the free throw line. That might drop them to 82.7%, but by and large, it's a team that they are able to get relatively good contributions from everyone at the charity stripe. They've been doing a little bit of a better job on the glass, and sometimes when it comes to 
handicapping college basketball, I do think that it is very important to not just take a look at the final score, but take a look at how that final score was achieved. Because if you wind up even just reading the box score and you wind up reading it, you're just like, oh, Villanova blew it a little bit. If you wind up putting it on with your own eyes, you would see that Villanova just wound up getting, let's call it what it is, the short end of the stick when it comes to foul calls and with regards to just the late game fouls in general. I do think that that is something that is very important to take a look at. So it is certainly a case in which you wind up having not necessarily the world's greatest scenario there, but what is always great is being able to take a look at some college basketball futures. We'll do that next right here on the look at on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zinnick Theme Pouches. Zin nicotine pouches are a good way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups and no more batteries to charge. Really leaky equipment to deal with. Zin nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and they're available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more for your convenience. Each variety comes in two strengths, so that way you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zin is America's number one nicotine pouch and available in 100,000 locations nationwide that it's easier, never been easier to find your Zin. Head over to Zin.com slash find to be able to locate a store that is nearest you. That is ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical as it is a look at with myself, Greg Eubes and filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. I mentioned it just before going to break. Let's take a look at everything that we've got with regards to the futures board right now in college basketball because we have been seeing some moving both up and down the board with a few of these teams. I was talking about a little bit earlier that I do feel like Texas Tech might have a little bit of a glass ceiling when it comes to their odds of being able to win the NCAA tournament, but they are at 31. I don't consider that to be terrible value. I don't consider that to necessarily be great value either. I think that that's one in which 
they're pretty appropriately priced if you wind up firing in on them. You're not necessarily getting any like supreme value, but at the same time, it certainly could be doing worse. When it comes to your top teams, we're just going to be going in order, and this is via DraftKings. Got Gonzaga at the top at four to one. Arizona and Kentucky from there are eight to one. At ten to one, you've got Purdue and Auburn. Fourteen to one, Kansas and Duke are clocking in there. Fifteen to one has Baylor. Twenty-two to one is Villanova, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. You've got UCLA twenty-five to one, and then from there you get into the longer shots. Illinois is at twenty-eight to one. Texas Tech, who I mentioned, thirty to one. Houston is at thirty-five to one. Forty-five to one is Tennessee. Fifty to one Texas and Ohio State. Sixty to one is Alabama, and then from there you got a bunch of seventy-one shots. Arkansas. Wisconsin, along with Michigan State. And if I'm looking at something further down the board, so I think further down the board would be anything that is 25 to 1 or greater, where I would really be looking is perhaps at a team like a Arkansas. Now, Iowa at 80 to 1 isn't necessarily the worst look in the world. And you're also finding Providence at 80 to 1. I know that there's a lot of people that are very bullish on Providence. I just don't think that the way that they are winning right now is necessarily sustainable to be able to cash an 80-1 shot. But Arkansas at 71, after what we wound up seeing in Gainesville tonight, I think it's actually worth a little bit of a shot here because with Arkansas, it's a team that they've won 12 out of their last 13 games. They got off to a little bit of a rough start when it comes to what they were able to do in conference play late December, early January. They just weren't pulling out games. They wind up losing that game to Hofstra. I think that that was a game that was played in something like Little Rock, I think it might have been something like spring, something like that. But, I mean, it was a game that was played in the state of Arkansas, but it wasn't necessarily played in Fayetteville. So, I think that that is something that you want to be taking a look at. Arkansas has been a team that has been very fascinating. And for myself, what I always like to do when it comes to college basketball futures is that I'm not necessarily someone that's going to be firing in on something right now, especially some of these short shots. Because you take a look at Gonzaga 4-1. to should they be the shortest shot on the board? Absolutely. I do think that Gonzaga is the best team in all of college basketball right now, and I do think that they are rightfully the short shot with regards to being able to win the NCAA title. At 4-1, to one, I just don't think that there's a lot of value with them because I mean, we've seen Gonzaga be the top team in all of college basketball going into a couple NCAA tournaments recently, and they haven't been able to pull it out either time. They were able to make the NCAA title game, but were unable to get the job done. What I think is something that you might want to be taking a look at if you're looking to dive into some college basketball futures, especially this year with things being so tightly knit together with regards to some of these top teams. Now, Gonzaga has been able to put a little bit of separation between they and the rest of college basketball, but you take a look after Gonzaga, I think that you can make a very good case for who should be like number two, number three, number four, because you take a look at the teams that are after Gonzaga. You've got Kentucky, Auburn, Arizona, Purdue, Kansas, Duke. I would not put Baylor in there. Baylor at 15 to 1 to be able to win the title. I just I can't get behind them. I would be willing to put Villanova in this vein. I, at this point, I think I'm gonna be willing to put Illinois in this vein. I have all these teams within pretty much two and a half points of each other in terms of the just overall raw values. And with them, and then from there, you wind up adding in their injury information and things like that. And by that, I mean just where I would place them on a neutral court. If things are truly neutral, not knowing the matchup or anything like that. And 
when it comes to the way that I wind up handicapping, I do feel like even a team that is like two and a half, three points, maybe a little bit lesser on the raw power rankings, they could wind up being a favorite based on the way that they match up with each other, based on the scheduling spot, things like where a neutral court game is actually played as well. So there's a lot of determining factors. I do think that when it comes to college basketball, you've got to be sort of taking the boxing mentality of matchups to make fights. But I think what is very important to take a look at in college basketball, and I do think that this could be very profitable for you, is something that you would like to call a rollover. I know that some people like to call it a rolling parlay. I'm not a parlay guy, personally, so I call it a little bit of a rollover. And this is where, if you like, we're going to spitball here, Alabama to be able to win the NCAA tournament. Why in the world do you want Alabama to be able to win the NCAA tournament? I have no idea, but you like Alabama to win the NCAA tournament. Let's say that they're a, we'll throw out their sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't think that they're going to be a sixth seed. I think that right now they'd probably be more like a five, but we are just playing a little bit of a hypothetical here with that. But if you think that Alabama is going to be able to win the NCAA tournament in their 6-11 game, for instance, to start out with, you wind up putting one unit on the money line with Alabama to be able to win that first game. So you just take them to win straight up. If they wind up winning, well, you take whatever you wind up putting on that game and the winnings, and then you just keep rolling it over, rolling it over, until you wind up getting to either the NCAA championship, Final Four, however far you would take it, or you can decide that, you know what, I don't like the matchup here. You know what, Alabama wound up having their star player wind up jumping on the roller coaster in between games. He broke every bone in his body. Yeah, I no longer like Alabama because they're going to be without that guy. You can then walk away from the table with your winnings as well. When it comes to having a normal future, you really can't do that. You are able to do a little bit of hedging, certainly, but at the same time, that gets a little bit more unique. If you wind up having a north of 50 to 1 ticket, it might be tough for you to be able to make a full edge like you'd like to be able to because there's just so much money involved in that future and you just don't have enough on hand maybe to be able to cover it. So I do think that that is a good way of being able to take a look at things. You don't have to feel just completely obligated on the future. You can at any point decide, you know what, I don't like this. Heck, you can wind up doing a rolling parlay on one team, decide that you don't like them, and then you're able to pretty much opt out of it and go with another team. Let's say that you like the odds of Wisconsin a little bit better. They match up a little bit. Well, you've got Johnny Davis, who's like scoring 30 points a game, every single game in the NCAA tournament. You're falling in love with them. You can then wind up pretty much opting to say, you know what, Alabama, we're going to cast you to the side, and we're going to now go with our rolling parlay on Wisconsin. You're able to do so. So I do think that that gives you a lot of options when it comes to teams that they might be able to have a little bit of sneakiness with regards to the futures board right now. I mentioned it a little bit earlier with our good friends, Arkansas. If you're looking further down the list, 90 to one with USC is not the world's worst look. Now I recognize that they did not wind up playing the world's greatest game against Washington state, but I do think that with USC having a pair of guys in Chavez Goodwin coupled with Isaiah Mobley, or able to give you combined 14 rebounds per game. This is one of the better teams also when it comes to defensive efficiency. That's just merely the points on a per-possession basis that you wind up allowing. They're a team that they shoot it well from three-point range as well. Now, big thing with this team is that they just don't shoot it well at the free-throw line. They are in the bottom 50 in all of college basketball 
with regards to free throw shooting percentage. And we just see it as true as the dawn of time. When it comes to teams that they don't necessarily shoot it well at the free throw line, it does wind up costing them at some point. In the case of Memphis during that 2007 season where they had Derrick Rose, it costed them at the world's worst time. But I do think that they might be worth a little bit of a look. And also a team that has been able to play tenacious defense. They're finding themselves a little bit further down the board. We're going to be seeing them on Wednesday. That'd be LSU. I think that that's a little bit of an intriguing team as well. Because if they're able to get any semblance of offense whatsoever, they're going to be a lethal team. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they are number two in all of college basketball. And they find themselves much like USC and 90-1. to So going to be very intriguing to take a look at what we're all going to be getting in college basketball moving forward with some of these teams. We're going to be certainly seeing things probably crystallize sort of with that tier outside of Gonzaga as to who are some of the top contenders are going to be in all of college basketball. Something that we always want to be taking a look at as well. How about a little bit of golf? Pam Maldonado, she does absolutely terrific job over there with Yahoo Sports. We're going to be taking a look at what we're all going to be getting on the links this week. You may recall she does a great job year in and year out with regards to college football. Now we're talking some golf with her next right here on VEASAN, Esports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. This feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are being placed on every single game and how it's moving. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here year-round to be able to make you a smarter better. Check out today's betting splits for every single game at vsin.com as it is a look at with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our guest. Pam Maldonado does absolutely terrific work over there at Yahoo Sports. You may recall she joined me quite a bit when I was filling in for Scott, taking a look at the NFL along with college football, but she does much more than that. She also does great work when it comes to taking a look at golf. Also does a lot when it comes to tennis and Pam. It is great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. No, thanks for having me on. It is great to have you aboard. And when it comes to the Honda Classic, I think that it's going to be an interesting tournament. And right now you've got lot of guys that typically they aren't towards the top of the leaderboard they're finding themselves towards the top of the leaderboard right now Tommy Fleetwood Louis Oosthuizen Long Sung Young Im these are some of the guys that are finding themselves a little bit closer to the top when you take a look at the board right now how do you wind up viewing it because we've got a lot of guys like a Brooks Kepko is at a 20 to 1 obviously a little bit of a bigger name Joaquin Neiman he's been able to have himself a really good run of things as well but when it comes to the board how do you wind up deciphering it? Because it is a little bit different than what we would typically find with some of these names. My recommendation right off the bat is to keep your card light because this is one of the more difficult courses on the PGA tour. You have really narrow fairways. The rough is not so bad, but there's a lot of hazards. So you're talking about bunkers and water on almost every single hole. And when I talk about water, I mean, there's one hole, there's one stretch of it called the bear trap where it's holds 15, 16 and 17. Well, there's actually been over 1600 balls hit dunked into that water over the last few years. So it's definitely one of the most difficult stretches in the PGA tour. So it's like literally anybody can win this tournament. And I think that's the people misconceive about golf is that, Oh, you can kind of like, it, it is sometimes really good to pick some of the long shots because it's any given tournament. 
especially in a tournament like this where it's such such a difficult course, you can use all the data that you want, but literally anybody can pop out as a winner. As we saw just last year with Matt Jones, he it was his first win in over seven years. Like imagine that. So there is no data to have said Matt Jones, who has not won a tournament in seven years, is going to pop off the radar and all of a sudden come out with a win. So keep your card light because you're going to feel really good about it and you're going to be done after round one when you have a couple of players who are over par. and Or you might feel really good with some of the long shots that you have. Um, but I'm really looking at just two, keeping it light. And one of them you mentioned was Louis Osteisen. Um, You're getting him at plus money for a top 20. He's definitely one of the better players on tour right now, and especially in this field, since it is one of the lighter fields. But I'm looking, because of the difficulty of this course, I'm looking at bogey avoidance, and he's definitely one of the best on tour. He's fourth in bogey avoidance. And because there's so many sand traps, he's top 10 in in, uh, in defending from the sand, from the traps. He's 12th in sand saves. And we just saw him. This is the second tournament of 2022 and his first debut of the year, T14 at the Phoenix Open. So you got to feel good about where his game is going. 2021 is definitely a solid year for him. So I love me some Usti. And when it comes to Louie as well, what I think is really shocking, and I think that quite a few people know this, he's never won a tournament on U.S. soil. But he's always been able to come in like those top fives, top tens. He's always there towards the top of the leaderboard, but he always seems to be the bridesmaid and never the bride. So it has always been one of those situations with him. And how important do you think it is when you take a look at something like that, being able to gauge maybe a look at like a, you were mentioning a top 20, maybe more like a top 10, something like that, rather than to go outright, because we do notice that there are some guys on tour that they either win it or they wind up missing the cut. And there's really not a lot of in between as well. I'm conservative. If you're giving me plus money on anything, that's to be that tends to be where I stop. So if you're giving me plus 110 on him to finish in the top 20, and he's definitely one of the top five players in the field, then I'm going to feel pretty good about that bet, whether it hits or not. But you can also find some of the odds for a top five if you don't want him to win the tournament outright. Maybe he has a really great tournament of complete four days, but it's still not enough because somebody else is on fire and just can't stop birdieing. Well, he can finish runner up. As we've seen, always the bridesmaid over the bride. So maybe for him to finish four to one in the top five would be a good option too. Um, but no, I mean, you're talking about how important it is for a player to win. There's every player never won in the PGA until they did. So I believe in his skill level. I love him as a player. He's solid and he has a great mindset too on round four, which is what you want from a golfer. Can they handle the round four pressure? And I know we've seen him come runner up a lot, but I would have never say that it's because of his skill set, because his slip mind, because he's like missing putts that he shouldn't have. It's more so that the opponent is just always better. Yeah, I've noticed that as well, because when it comes to Louis Ustase and I, I should still always go back to Augusta when he wound up having that albatross and he very nearly pulled out that tournament as well. He has been able to put up, he's been able to come up with some great shots in his life. And every single time he does, it feels like one guy winds up making just one shot better. So it's been really intriguing to take need. a look at that. And I know you mentioned that you've got another look with regards to what we're going to be getting at the Honda Classic. Who's the other guy that you're really taking a look at? I'm going for one of the longer shots and his his name is Cameron Young for it's a it's plus 225 for a top 20 and you're getting 50 to 1 for him to win. Now, the reason why I like him and for a longer shot is because I'm looking for more recent form rather than recent course history because I mean, you can have 
we saw just from John Rahm last week, he had nothing but top tens in the Genesis Invitational, and then he barely finished in like the top 30. So it's not always going to be indicative of how well a player is going to perform. So I'm looking at recent performance rather more so weighted heavily in this tournament. And Cam Young, he's a New Yorker. He's 113th in the official golf world rankings, and he just turned pro in 2019. He's only played in 12 PGA events. And he already has two runner-up finishes, second at the Sanderson Farms Championship in October, and he took second last week at the Genesis Invitational. So for this tournament, because it is just like a very difficult course, I'm looking for solid ball strikers, and that's definitely where his game is. He's gained strokes off the tee in eight of his last nine events, and he gained strokes putting in six. So I'm looking for a player who can boot, who can do well both off the tee, keep it away from the water, keep it away from some of those sand traps and put yourself in a good position to give yourself a birdie opportunity. So it's one of the longer shots at 50 to one, but as we saw with Matt Jones last year, I mean, it could definitely happen. So I like him for a top 20 for sure. Plus 225 is always great value, but why not sprinkle some on a 50 to one and hope for hope, hope to get lucky. And when it comes to some of these guys that are maybe a little bit more off the beaten path, how much do you put sock into some of the results that we wind up seeing from non-PGA tours with some of these younger guys, how they wind up doing in college coming up in like the Corn Ferry Tour, for instance. I know that some of these guys, they wind up putting in a lot of time overseas as well. How much do you wind up putting sock into that? Because we know that the courses are a little bit different, but we wind up seeing a lot last year. These guys sort of come in from various tours, come up just very, very under the radar and be able to win events. I really don't look at that, to be honest, because I am very a stats-based analyst, and so I need to have concrete information. I would need to know how many strokes you gained off the tee with your iron shots putting around the green, and you're not going to get that when you're on the Corn Ferry Tour or overseas. So once you start playing even one or two tournaments, you can tell pretty handily where players' strengths come from, and most, like for Cam Young, for example, his, his strength does come off the tee, which is perfect for this course. Now, if it's a less-than-driver course, which this could also be the case, I'm looking for accuracy. So and he has shown with his iron shots, with his iron play, and he's pretty good around the green. So I'm looking more so for what you've done in the PGA and what you've done in the PGA over like the last hour in February, what you've done over the last like 20 to 24 rounds. So I'm looking at real recent and I really don't really put hold, hold too much weight to what you did maybe in like 2020. Maybe you have great course history from back then. But for me, that's irrelevant right now, because what have you done in the last six months? So, I mean, I love that Corn Ferry Tour. They are getting a lot of love coming into this, and they do really well. That's why I love Will Zalatoris, because he just was doing phenomenal things on the KFT. But now you saw it early on when he was in the in the with the Open. I mean, he did pretty pretty well. So, I mean, you can tell right off the bat a few rounds, a few tournaments, just how strong a player actually is at the time or how good he can be. And those are the players that I'm looking for, for the potential here in the next few tournaments. Buy him now before he gets hot. And Pam, we've got about one minute left. Something that I always like to look at with regards to some of these tournaments as well is the one guy that I just want absolutely no part of whatsoever. If you wind up having matchups, you just love fading the heck out of them. Is there a guy or two that you might be looking at and you're just like, man, this guy is overvalued. I want absolutely no part of him. If you have a head-to-head market, fade Ryan Palmer um, because he is actually terrible with... I just talked about the bear trap where 15, 16, and 17 are the is one of the toughest stretches of holes in the PGA. He holds the honor for not a good thing. He holds the honor for the most balls in the water with 17 total water dunks since 2007. 
and he's actually 40 over par between just this three-hole stretch on in his career. That's the worst of any golfer since 2007. So if you have a head-to-head -head market, fade him because more than likely he's going to put a few into the water <laughs> during those three-hole stretch, and that's going to come in handy if you have a head-to-head -head market. Unfortunately, this is golf and not swimming, so it does not sound <laughs> like he's going to be in for a very good week, but we're always in for a good time whenever Pam joins the show. Pam, you do absolutely amazing work. Thank you so much for joining me once again tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always terrific to get Pam Maldonado over here on the network. She does great work over there at Yahoo Sports. She does a couple podcasts, including the Stack of Sats podcast when it comes to the NFL season as well. So great to get her aboard. Now coming up next, we got to take a look at some college basketball action for Wednesday. We'll do that next right here on the Look It On VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion centered around your local teams, well, Bet Rivers has you covered because Bet Rivers, they've designed a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. We've got CityCast for Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now they've added Washington, D.C. in the mix. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on as we're back here on the look at it. It's myself, Greg Eubes-Pearson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg. Big thanks to Pam Maldonado of Yahoo Sports, who joined me in the last segment, taking a look at some PGA. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to be talking to Sean Green. We're going to be getting a look at the NFL futures market with him. But in the meantime, we've got some college basketball to break down. We've got a good slate of games on Wednesday. And how about if we wind up going with one of the more marquee games? I know that there's been a lot of hubbub with this team as to how lucky slash good is Providence? I think we're going to get more answers on Wednesday as we've got 685, 686. Providence, they're going to be playing us as Xavier. The X-Men find themselves anywhere between a two and two and a half point underdog. Your toss game, 
going to be getting it anywhere between a 139 and a 139.5. We've seen a little bit of adjustment on this game because you may recall when these two teams wound up hooking up, I would say about a month or so ago, that was a game which Providence was an eight-point underdog on the road, and I do feel like they were getting disrespected in that spot. I do think that this number is a little bit closer to being correct, but I did wind up saying this Providence team as a three-point favorite. I do think their Providence is a team that has been able to get a little bit lucky. No question about that, but at the same time, you do also have a Providence team that may be able to do a really solid job of being able to have some good low post play. Nate Watson is the guy that's able to give you right around 16 points, six boards per game. Noah Herkler, unfortunately, wound up shaving off some of the wool. He wound up getting a little bit of haircut, but that said, a guy that's able to give you 10 points, eight boards, be able to shoot 40% from three-point range. Now, when it comes to this team, it is going to be something that is going to be, I think, a big question mark for them with regards to Jared Bynum. Jared Bynum is someone that last season was shooting right around 23% from three-point range. This year, he's pretty much doubled his three-point shooting percentage at 45%. I don't think he's as bad as he wound up showing to be last year. I don't think he's quite as good as he right around 45 to 46% that he's shooting this year as well. I think that it's something in the middle. I think that when it comes to taking a look at Providence, a lot of this is somewhere in the middle with them. I don't think the Providence is the luckiest team in the history of planet Earth, and that's the only reason why they've been able to win games. But at the same time, if you try to tell me that this has not been a charm team, I'm going to say, what have you been watching as well? I think that it's somewhere in the middle. And as we know, the saying goes, you create your own luck, you create your own breaks as well, and Providence has been able to do so. Ed Cooley, one of the best coaches in all of college basketball in late-game scenarios. If you're able to take it back, I would say about the last seven years, they're winning darn near 70% of their close games. So it is a team that they do a nice job of being able to pull games out late, but when it comes to the flip side for Xavier, you've also got yourself a situation in which this team is doing their good old disappearing act like they've done time and time again under Travis Seal. This is a team that just feels like you're in and you're out. They wind up getting off to these really hot starts. And then when they wind up getting into the months of February and March, they make like your buddy at the bar and they have no idea what they're doing. They wind up not being able to close out the deal. And we're seeing that with Xavier once again this season. I mean, with the Xavier team, they did wind up getting off to that really nice start. And now you take a look at them. They have lost four out of their last five games including one of those losses coming to a DePaul team that wound up not having Javon Freeman Liberty, and that was a game on their home floor. I mean, that is just a classic sort of job that you're going to see from Xavier. Now, I will say for Adam Kunkel, he's actually been able to do a better job on the road than he has been at home, but we've seen him fade with his production. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Nate Johnson. Johnson is a guy that shoots right around 40% from three-point range. Paul Scruggs has not been himself. 4.2 assists at three turnovers per game. Jack Donge has really been the best player for the Xavier team this year. 13.7 boards. Transfer from Iowa has been able to do a solid job, shooting about 35% from three-point range. But you take a look at the Xavier team, I beg the question, what does this team do really well? They shoot 32.5% from three-point range. They shoot 71.5% the free line. They do turn the ball over 11.5 times per game. They do an okay job of being able to take care of the ball, but there's really not anything that you take a look at and you're like, Oh, this team does it, does this great. You take a look at this team and they don't necessarily have that one star performer either. And I think that that's a little bit of an issue. Meanwhile, you've got a Providence team that they embrace being able to go down low. Alderham is dealing with a little bit of an injury. 
If he does wind up playing in this game, he's probably going to be badly hampered. But even without him, they were able to pull off that nice comeback against Butler. It's a Providence team that I think they're probably going to be fighting themselves in another close game. And I have a whole lot more faith in Providence being able to close out a close game rather than the Xavier team right now. I'm willing to lay up to three with Providence personally. When it comes to total, I think that it is a little bit intriguing as well. I want to say my total at a 135 because you do have a Providence team that they do an absolutely sensational job of being able to slow down games with regards to possessions per game. They're in the bottom 55 in all of college basketball. You do have yourself a Xavier team that they've been relatively solid on defense as well with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. This team ranks right around 53rd, but you do want to note this with Xavier as well. They're giving up 13 more points on a per 100 possession basis on the road than they are at home as well. And I do think that that is something that is very important in this matchup because Providence, they've got themselves a very good home court advantage. So I'm going to be willing to lay it here with Providence. And I'm going to be taking a look at this total under the earlier Big East game that is going to be going down on this card. It's 661, 662 on the betting board. Really the top game on the betting board. Creighton is going to be hitting the road. They're going to be facing off against St. John's. The Red Storm, they are finding themselves favored in this spot. Spending them anywhere between a four and a half and a five point favorite in your total on this game. And between 147 and 148 when it comes to the St. John's team. I set them as a five point favorite. I'm willing to lay the four and a half here. I kept five. I'd rather lay it before I'd be willing to take it. Now, what I will say about Creighton is that this is a team that they've been able to turn over a new leaf. If you wound up betting their number a little bit earlier on in the day against Marquette, you wound up taking a really, really bad beat on that one after. You wind up seeing that bang three and you wind up taking a point and a half. But when it comes to this Creighton team, I do think that what is going to be costly for them is just a matchup in general. This is a St. John's team that they rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball in terms of being able to generate seals. They do a great job of being able to get turnovers with Pasha Alexander, Long Julian, Champagny being able to give you 4.2 seals per contest. And this Creighton team, they turn the ball over a little bit over 14 times per game, despite the fact that they actually play a lot flat slower this year than they have been in the past. This is a great team that they rank right around 200th in the country with regards to possessions per game. They've got a young point guard by the name of Ryan Nemard, and he's been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to shoot from three. chips in there, four assists per contest, but also a guy with 3.3 turnovers per game. That is a big-time issue. And then you've got a St. John's team that they are really looking to run it and gun it among your D1 teams. They are sixth in the country with regards to possessions per game. And at home, they do a good job of being able to pump up the tempo as well. I do like what you'll be able to get out of Champagne with right around 19 points per game. is able to shoot in the mid to high 30s from three-point range. But who has really been able to start for this team, Aaron Wheeler. He's been able to average right around 16 points per game, shooting over 40% from three-point range in the team's last seven contests. He's been able to do a good job on the glass as well. Creighton is probably going to have the best true post presence in this game by the name of Ryan Kalkbrenner, a little bit over seven boards. He's able to give you three blocks per game, but I do think that St. John's is going to do a good job of being able to turn defense into offense. St. John's, certainly not a team that's going to be lauded for their defensive efficiency by any stretch of the imagination. And once again, I will say with Creighton, this is a team that they are much improved on the offensive end from what we wound up seeing at the beginning of the year. It's a Creighton team that they ranked 201st in the country with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, but certainly have been able to shape up a little bit more with that regard. But that said, I'm going to be taking a look at St. John's in this spot. I'm willing to lay up to five with them. I do think that they're going to get their up-tempo style, so I'm going to be taking a look at an over, as I did wind up saying this total, at a 151. When it comes to what you're going to be getting with regards to the Big East, those are, in my opinion, the two bigger matchups that we're going to be seeing on the card. But you do have... 
yourself another matchup out there in the Big East that's a little bit more off the beaten path in Butler versus Seton Hall. This is game number 733-734 on the betting board. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. You're finding Seton Hall as quite a bit of a favorite in the spot with Seton Hall. You're going to be finding them anywhere between a 9.5 to a 10 in the spot. And your total on this game, you're going to get anywhere between a 132 and a 133. And when it comes to Seton Hall, it's very simple. 10 or lower, I'm going to be willing to lay it with them. It's a Butler team that they have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Bo Hodges. Looks like he's going to be back in the fold and should be able to do some solid things for the team. But you do take a look at seeing all Ikobiagu. He's able to give you 3.3 blocks per game. He's actually been able to give you more blocks than points per game. I find that to be very intriguing. They've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Bryce Aiken, but at the same time, it is a Seton team that they do a good job of being able to dish out the ball by committee. Godari Richmond has been an ultimate Swiss Army knife guy for the team. Not necessarily going to give you a ton of scoring, but does give you right around four assists. Shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. Jared Ronan being able to give you seven plus rebounds per game. I think it's going to allow Seton Hall to be able to win and cover this game. Butler is a team that ranks at the bottom 35 of the guards' possessions per game as well. So I set my total at 128. I'm diving under, and I'm willing to lay it here with Seton Hall. Coming up in hour number two of the look at, we're going to be looking at to what we're going to be seeing out there in the SEC on the college basketball betting board for Wednesday. That's next right here on VSIN, Esports Bank Network. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.